Okay, so here we are. We're uh, Ducks Don't Get Cold Feet. We've gone off location to the new studio and it's the Black Box. And it's the Black Box Theatre. And we are here with Erin Fowler. And Erin, you you are here, the girl with the egg show. Um, I am. Yeah, and we actually met um, in a supermarket and you were with two bakers. Mm. And I just assumed the egg was part of the boys with the baking. It wasn't. No, that was the fringe... <laughs> Curation. They brought us together in a beautiful partnership of bakers and eggs. Yeah. So the egg that I was thinking of would be beaten and used for cooking. And you quickly said to me, wrong sort of egg, buddy. Yeah. Not that kind of egg. <laughs> the the egg costume does have a chicken egg shape, but it's um that's for identity, you know, to, to dress up as a human ovum is a bit of a less fun costume. So Yeah, which I quickly picked up. It didn't take me long, but you're a dancer, you're creative, you're facilitator, educator. You even do some training in tan- mm-hmm. Tantra. Tantra. Yeah. And you do you, you do actually courses for that as yep. well. Yep. So you, you do so much. And we were looking going, look, how much stuff does she actually do? <laughs> Let's go back to when you first started. Yep. When you, What were you like as a, as a kid? Uh, that's you, a good, we'll go back to the beginning. Yeah, well, I mean, back. the show does explore some of that. So I guess it's, it's relevant. Um, I... Dance was kind of my main love as a kid. I was very, very shy, so I didn't talk very much. So dance was definitely a space that I could express myself. Now I'm like up on the stage doing clowning and all of these different things. And but yeah, I was very shy as a kid. Loved dancing, loved moving. Um, yeah. So back back when were you an Adelaide girl? Yep. Yep. Um, north, south, east, west. South. South. Okay. Yes. So from an early age, like we spoke to Joanne earlier. And five years of age, she's you know she's the one with the jazz hands. At the, yeah, at the front. yeah. Well, is, is I was you, I was the quiet kid on stage as a bluebird, three years old, with elastics on my um, wrists, kind of looking out at the audience, a bit shell shocked. Um, funny story though, Joanne and I first met. I don't know if she mentioned this, but we met in yeah two thousand, and she was narrating a show that I was rat number two, the prestigious role of rat number two. <laughs> I was in a white velvet. Uh, suit with a foam hat covering my face and that is where we first met and I think then we knew that it was going to be a long-lasting collaboration. It was destined to come <laughs> yeah. to the black box. Theater. Yeah, it was all coming down to this very moment. So you walk, you, you are looking at a lot of things that you were doing. You, you span over many things. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. there a particular favourite thing that you do? It's interesting because I think if you were to look at it from the outside, it might look kind of disparate and separate. And lots of different things that aren't necessarily related. But I think for me, movement always is the centre of it. And movement, not just from like a dance discipline of five, six, seven, eight, put your right foot here, but more about getting people into their bodies. So that's where some of the more holistic stuff comes into it is, um, you know, everyone has a body and we we live in a world that's pretty mind focused. So a lot of what I do, whether it's doing a show, whether it's teaching a workshop, whether it's teaching Tai Chi, doing Kung Fu training, it's getting people into their bodies. So I saw some footage of you had a show, I think it was Last Fringe, Mm -hmm. which was the last fringe before COVID. Mm -hmm. And you had multiple characters. Was it, what was the show? Femme. Femme. Yeah. You had multiple characters, all of them which brought out a different strut down a runway. Yeah. Yeah. And it was amazing because you were, looked very different. <laughs> yeah, totally. In, and it was like, you know, you went from super sassy to almost like a work person with the, yep. with the ladder. You, yep, you, yep, that's it, the yeah. sort of more masculine getting things done. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but you had a whole range of attitudes for that. Mm-hmm. Do you have to get right into character for each one of those when you come through the curtains? Because each of them bought a different style. Totally. Because um, I've done a bit of dancing in my time. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, you know, I can do big box, little box, and you know, I can do the running man pretty well. Years of training for yeah, that. Years yeah. Of, well, yeah, it was years of training. <laughs> um, but I, I've watched um, you, it's, what's the style where a bit more? Uh, contemporary. Contemporary, yep. yeah. Yep. And you came out doing that as well, and then it was a whole lot of styles. Yeah. Did you come up with that show? I did, yeah, I did. Um, How did that come about? So that came about, so when I was 16, I was scouted here in Adelaide by a local 
modeling agency and then right after high school ended up in Paris modeling over there which was not something I'd ever kind of included in my plan for life and I wasn't one of those girls that was really into fashion or knew about the fashion world so kind of ending up in Paris working for these big labels I was a bit sort of like what am I doing here Um, but I think also having that experience right as I was sort of coming into womanhood definitely uh, was something that impacted impacted me a lot and so I wanted to make a show about the way you know you say there's all these different attitudes and energies and I think as women in particular we're quite used to morphing into whatever is kind of required of us in the moment so sometimes we want to present as professional and but then other times we want to come across as more fun or you know these these different aspects to ourselves so you can clearly see you've taken what what you've learnt from that to be yourself Mm, mm -hmm. and not morph into what everyone else wants. Totally. There's no doubt that's what you, you, at some stage in your life, what stage was that when you said, hang on, I know what all this modelling is all about, I'm going to be myself, you take it or leave it? Would that be a fair assumption? I mean, totally, and I think it's an ever-evolving thing and definitely with my work, it's very autobiographical. In some ways, people might think I'm acting and there is a degree of performance and theatricality and craft that comes to presenting it on the stage, but for me it's a very personal thing. So I guess in making that show making the show was part of the process of owning it. So in a bit similarly with Egg, making the show, deciding if I want to have a child or not, it's you're seeing my thought process on the stage and it's how I kind of explore these things within myself. So the Egg show, Mm. uh, yeah, like I said, I got mixed up with the Egg. (laughs) Um, Like you're talking about wanting to have a baby. Yep. And I haven't seen the show yet, yep. so I've, I'm definitely going to see the show. But yep. I'm assuming you go through the dramas, the social thing, yeah. d- um, dilemmas that people have, like when you know when you get married, when you're having kids, when you, you know that gets hammered on you, not realizing it's actually a very special thing to have a child, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. extremely lucky at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. And some people can like stand next to each other and they're pregnant and yep. some people just fucking can't. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, and so is that, <laughs> totally. you tell this story from Yeah, it, it, I, totally. I think the, the impulse for this show for me came just after Fringe last year where I had all these, and I talk about this in the show, I had all these plans to travel, go overseas, being an artist, you know, I finally had this show that was getting picked up for different um, tours and so home life and stable life was as an artist wasn't something I was particularly giving much energy to family life you know it was about traveling and and going places and then when COVID happened and we we're suddenly stuck in one place I think like a lot of people it's like well what's here and what do I value here and so you have to come and see the show but <laughs> I, um, I, I I still don't think I'm not sure if i you know, there's not certainty in my mind still about whether I definitely want to have a child or not. It was more about the process that you go through to decide. And I think, again, as a woman, which a lot of my work is always around the female experience, we've been given, you know, we've been encouraged to have careers and to be ambitious in all of these ways. But then the female biological clock is still this thing that's, you know, by 35, they call it a geriatric pregnancy. And that's confronting as a thirty-three-year-old, yeah. almost thirty-three-year-old. <laughs> yeah, and and that's it's true, but it, it's what's been put onto you from the barrage of like you know your parents were mm. because of what they went through mm-hmm. and, and how different it is for you today, which yep. you're obviously yep. expressing through your show. Yeah, yeah. Did it take how long did it take to come up with the so-called script or uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or, or show? I'd love to say that the show was finished and polished like a good three weeks before we went on. <laughs> but um, it was like Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I think any Fringe artist will also, you know, the Fringe is an interesting one because it came about as being this side program to a festival and so it encourages experimentation and it encourages artistic development. With that, um, you know, this is my first clowning show and clowning with physical theatre and, and movement relies so heavily on an audience and so of course in the rehearsal process you don't have an audience so it's um it's been a year basically since end of last fringe I sort of had the idea around April I've never made a show so quickly and I think I'm still in a bit of shell shock after um the weekend (laughs) (laughs) of kind of launching it out there and it was incredible and you had like it was a full house yeah on yeah so you must have been pretty happy with that completely stoked and I think for me the reason I make work is to start conversations and so many 
men and women, but mainly a lot of women have said, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm at that point in my life and I'm thinking about this. So the, the subject matter is definitely resonating, I think. Um, but also as an artist, you're often making little changes and, you know, based on the feedback you get from the audience. So it, it's been a, um, I've been saying a labour of love, <laughs> no pun intended, Um I'm very tired. Um, <laughs> You're pretty funny though. <laughs> like, and then the fact that when we were saw each other at the supermarket, you go, yeah, I'm going to clown school. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, oh, I guess that all adds together, going yeah. to clown school. Yeah. What is it that made you go to clown school? So the direct, and it, That is yeah, such a thing. It's such a thing. It's yeah, a great okay. one to drop into conversation. That and the fact that I went to Kung Fu school in China are two things I like to just um, throw and where into was that? conversation. In Wuhan? Or? Yeah, Wudang. Wudang. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, that'll do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, clown school. So a dear friend of mine who's also the director of the show, Hugh Parham, he um, studied pachinko clowning in Canada and has brought that back to Adelaide and has been teaching at a lot of the universities. And I encouraged him strongly to do a like a professional it's called baby clown school so that I could make my show so I was like Hugh could you do clown school December January so that then I can finish the show by fringe and he agreed so yeah I was running to my clown training which we finished in January so how so I'm assuming you don't want to go to be a clown but you need that that's part of learning theatre I mean, I guess for me, anything, I, I I think as a dancer, you're always acutely aware of the fact that at some point your body is not going to be able to keep doing the yep. kind of virtuosic yep. movement that you've been training in. And I haven't been doing that for a while. I think I'm really interested in more physical theatre, so using the body to communicate. And clowning is a... I think clowning can be a bit misunderstood at times, but the the practice that I've been learning, it's it's a lot of it is around authentic feeling on the stage, and so that links to the tantra work that I do. It links yeah. to the work I like to make. So, um, and that's been a real joy. This weekend was the first time I've done that kind of work in front of an audience, and feeling how alive and thrilling and petrifying it is to just be raw on the stage. And you've got the structure of the show, but you are interacting yeah. with the audience, which I find very satisfying. So with with um. You know, you 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 pretty much blend over um, lots of forms. Oh, mm. uh, last year was that your femme show? Mm-hmm. You did a clip there of you just walking. Yeah, that, I'm assuming that was you. But yeah, the, yeah. A, that clip is freaking awesome. Yeah, the, all your clips, and you don't have many on, on that I've yet. seen. Yeah, yeah, but they have cracking tunes. Yeah, so yeah. when I watched, I was like, yeah, that's banging. That's uh-huh. a great tune, and it showed you in different. Different situations, yep. and then when you see the show, it's it like, oh, yeah, makes it sense. totally makes sense. Yeah, did, yep. did you come up with that? So I've got a collaborator, Chris Hertzfeld, who is a photographer and um, videographer, and yeah. so we came up with that concept together of wanting like a thirty-second snapshot working yeah. through town, and then for that show, a local um, uh, musician, Mario Spate, did the soundtrack. So um, yeah, I love working with sound designers. Will Spitalis is. Um, doing the sound for this show and so often I like mixing a, a kind of blend of pop music or music that people recognise and then some more created stuff. Yeah, it was well put together, really cool tunes <laughs> and using some iconic places exactly. in, in, in Adelaide, uh, it really worked. So t- so in 2017 you were South Australian Young Achiever was. of the Year. <laughs> That's pretty good award. It was pretty good. I was not expecting it at all. Um I was actually in America for the award ceremony because I was touring with a um, children's theatre company and um, I knew I'd been nominated for the arts award but I didn't know I'd been nominated for the whole thing. So that was that was um, my sister ended up doing the acceptance speech for me and just gave this very beautiful speech about how wonderful I was even though she hadn't been asked to do a speech. It was great. That's so good. It's sticking up for your sister yeah. and actually just saying what needs to be yeah. said. I think that's fantastic <laughs> and an amazing award to get. Yeah. I, I think you've you're under you've really undersold it. I'm assuming <laughs> well, I'm assuming you're not you're not putting yourself on the pedestal, but you gotta Yeah, like, it's gotta, interesting being in the arts. I think I mean, definitely at a personal level, there was a moment of like, okay, I'm really proud of this. I think also, um, you know, up against all the other categories, arts is sometimes sort of seen as as being this sort of other category. And so I think for for me as an artist to win the overall award, for me it was just exciting that acknowledged the power of arts and what arts can do and the importance of the arts alongside, you know, science and all the other different things. So any chance I get to advocate for the power of 
arts arts is um, a good one. Okay, so <laughs> if you if you look at back at some of the things that you've done, mm. you, you launched the Speakeasy Hotel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to uh, elaborate on what that is? Yeah, so that's more of my. I, I again, I speak in the show. I seem to have an addiction for new businesses, which I never would have thought of when I was younger. Um, but I think as an artist, you wear so many different hats, and you're just trying to find a way to have some kind of sustainable income so that you can keep doing your practice because it's so unreliable knowing what is coming in next. (laughs) So the Speakeasy Hotel is um, a mobile bar that we have staffed by artists. We're actually out and about during Fringe here and there. These two... um, vintage caravan bars that uh, we bought the business from some previous owners who did an incredible job restoring these two vans with the intention to kind of, you know, uh, bring a lot of the time in the arts, the bars make all the money, but they're not at all connected to the arts. So we wanted to find a way to feed that income back into our practice. So... Premium alcohol? Yep. Is it cocktails? It really varies. Or is so, it mixed? yeah, there's a, we we're basically um, have our, our wine list and our drinks list is mainly South Australian yep. makers. I think it's 100% actually. Yep. And um, But we can also do cocktails, gin bar, natural wines, anything. It, because of its flexible nature, it's kind of able to cater. So, we still do more of the corporate events and weddings and that kind of thing, but we're also really starting to. So, look. how do you get into that? I mean, look, it's pretty random. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would, was one of these uh, look like a massive golf cart? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I I went to Chris Lyman, I think, or the the hypnotist. Yep. And there was one there. Yeah, right. There you go. Yeah, there's a a few around. Without even knowing it. Yeah, and I think, like, I have managed to stay out of hospitality my entire arts career. A lot of artists have hospital <laughs> on the side. But then everyone looked at me and when we announced this and were like, you, I also didn't drink for five years. I now drink a little bit. But everyone was very confused why I'd bought a bar. <laughs> <laughs> so you were like, I don't know, drink. Yeah, let's buy yeah, a yeah, mobile bar yeah. so I can literally take it to any yeah. one of my friends' houses, Exactly. Parties, it's weddings. just for the cool factor. Yeah. Well, it's a cool thing to have. I, yeah. I actually gave the guy a comment. I said, oh, cool, nice, cool nice. looking cart, mate. It's yeah, so cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you're embodied in the Awakening Academy, trained for Tantra practitioner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you know, people think Tantra, they, I'm assuming <laughs> they're thinking Tantra, sex. Yep, yep. And so I just had to definitely Google Quick on bit of that. research, yeah. yeah. quick <laughs> bit of research. And I noticed it's um, it was for males and females. Yep. And it's it's you know about finding your inner self, mm. um, maybe getting rid of some of the blockages that you might mm-hmm. have through mm-hmm. spiritual healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? How did you get into that? Because that's all stuff that I'm very interested yeah. in. So it was interesting yeah. to see. Um, it's just a mini clip about your, that you had your class there, which yep. was a full class, I might add. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, which I would hope. I guess you're going to show off a video. Let's yeah. show off that. <laughs> but I, I I looked at it and I thought. Okay, because we were doing the research, so mm. you, you've you've done lots of acting, playwriting, you've done mm-hmm. everything. You've just mentioned you travel with children's yeah, um, theatre. Yeah. Theater. And then I looked at that and I think, wow, that's quite diverse. Mm. Mm. I've got to ask, is there something that made you think, this is me? Yeah, it's an interesting question. So um, over the sort of past six or seven years where I've been also going on a bit more of the spiritual path and exploring different holistic practices most of that time I've kept it very separate to my arts practice so um, yeah I work with the Embodied Awakening Academy and um, was teaching workshops overseas with them and here Um, but this year I've really tried to bring them together and in doing that I've realized that there is like a commonality between the two so I came to Tantra yeah about six or seven years ago and I think it was partly because I was looking for a practice that included sexuality as part of its teachings Um, and most spiritual practices ignore that part of human existence ignore the what we might call the shadow side so our angry sides you know and and for me I felt like the education and the culture around sexuality didn't quite resonate with me I was looking for something that it doesn't always have to be this deep spiritual experience but just something that empowered me to communicate and to own that part of myself so 
I wouldn't have articulated it like that back then probably. I think I was just like, what is this hookup culture that we're a part of? I can't seem to connect. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> well, um, I, so I, I missed just... all this hookup culture. So, <laughs> you know, I used to have to ring a phone on the landline and get through the parents or the brother. Yeah. And then sneak on a phone call. Yeah. I'm not that old, but it sounds like it when I look at that. But I go away with the race team with, like, the kids, all pick kids. And we're yeah. in, like, Winton, middle of nowhere. Next minute, chicks are rocking up. And I'm like, how the fuck? We're in the middle of nowhere, yeah. man. I go, yeah, yeah. Tinder. And I'm like, wow. So do you... I'm assuming you're single, so you're yeah. aware or yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, no, that's a fair assumption. Me, yeah, fair assumption. <laughs> <laughs> a very understanding and partner, one of the two from, from the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking for that guy. So, uh, <laughs> so, where is he? Where is he? I'm also looking. <laughs> yeah, just, just putting it out there. He's just single. Yeah, so. yeah. But when you, when you go into looking at what's happened, I look at it now and I think, fuck, that, when we went out, we sort of went out to pick up and that yeah. was a bit. But now... Yeah. No one goes out to pick up, actually. They've yep. done all the picking up just by hooking up. Yeah, yeah. How do you think that's going to change society or has changed society by what's already happened? I mean, I guess I'd, there's probably two things. I think we live in a very transactional society now, yep. so everything is fast. So Uber Eats can be delivered. You know, all of these different things, we have very short attention spans and want a very quick Result. Return and yep. result, and so I guess it's fair enough that that also extends into our sexual lives and hookup culture. You can, if you really want to, you can go on Tinder and someone can be. At, I've heard <laughs> someone can be at your. I'm terrible on any dating app. Just like, just does not work for me. Um, but I've heard that you know, and so I think that there. I guess coming back to tantra and the teachings of tantra, it's we seem to be very attached to. Um, uh, being in our comfort zone and, and anything that can help with that. But actually there's a lot to be said for sitting in our discomfort sometimes. And so um, I think, th yeah, I think that this culture can can make people not feel like they can just sit in their own experience as much. They're always looking to external things to meet that. So hookup culture or, you know, Tantra is not about shaming any of that, yeah. but it's just making sure that people are coming from a, a, a conscious place in making those decisions as opposed to I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling uncomfortable, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling bored, and then responding from that place. Well, I think body shaming is a massive thing. I've got two young daughters, six mm -hmm. and seven, mm -hmm. and, and they're like not biased and they're beautiful. <laughs> and then my seven-year-old put on something and she goes, oh, Dad, do I look fat in this? Mm. And I was like, what the fuck? I mm. I looked at her and said, so what are young. you talking yeah. about? Like, she's a bean pole. I said, what shit are they saying? That's mm. I didn't say it. I probably did, actually. <laughs> but I said, what are you talking about? Like, mm. what, what sort of conversations are happening when someone would actually even say that from yeah. a young age? And I see the dangers of um, social media and I think we're in for a, a major I don't think it's going to change. Like, no, and I think no. the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, mm. I think that really explains it in a quite a simple way that mm. anyone that watches that goes, oh, like maybe this is a problem. Yeah. Where you're letting people, or not people, AI, which the intelligence of way more intelligent than any human looking at it, mm -hmm. start to control the things that you see, the biasness mm -hmm. that you see, mm -hmm. and you only start to see what you want. Yeah. Um, it's like a perfect marriage, isn't it? <laughs> but you know, for me, when I look at that, I'm, I think with my girls, I'm not so concerned about the screen, screen time. Mm. But one of the things in that show is that all of these senior execs. So, do you give your kids um, a screen? I'm like, fucking hell no. Yeah. And you look at it now, and, and as a parent, you give them something just to keep them quiet. Yeah. Do you see this as a major, you know, the the, the shaming and and how how it's going to be for the children of today mm. and. When I mean children, I mean like Otley's age, you know, <laughs> um, and and younger. Is, you I know, think, yeah. Because you seem to be totally, hey, you need to embrace what, what you are, who you are, yeah. and don't be afraid. And don't I mean, take no totally. Shit. That's what it comes across from. That's great. <laughs> you should be inside my head. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do. And, I, I mean, I guess with that, I'm the first to admit that I'm addicted to 
technology. Yeah. Like I, I keep trying to get away from it, but the nature of the work I do, I have to be on it. And yeah. like it is the one of the biggest challenges of our time. I think where um, some of these more holistic practices and these kinds of, you know, mindfulness and all of these different things, you know, um, nature bathing is this new thing that has been around in Japan for a long time about people and, you know, doctors prescri- prescribing green time now because we're all so on our devices. What's green time? Green time is getting out in nature. So doctors yeah. are actually prescribing their patients to go out into nature as an actual remedy for unwellness, you know, which I find fascinating. But I think that where the tantra work and some of that other stuff comes in is around emotional well-being and emotional education. So if you come back to, you know, even sexual education in schools, we're taught about the physicality to a degree, but there's not much education around the emotional sides of intimacy, around the emotional sides of being on social media. And so young kids being fat shamed or whatever that is it's like okay well they might know how to to use a computer way more than you know older generations like kids just know just automatically now to just swipe the screen which is like very disconcerting (laughs) but the emotional education that comes alongside that how to manage your well-being and and you know I notice it in myself like if I'm on social media for too long and I have an awareness around it the the kind of self-judgment and criticism and comparison that kicks in, I feel like I need a practice outside of that to balance it. So that's where these kinds of things help for me. So how do you deal with, you know, I'm assuming you're in the limelight. Mm-hmm. You have shows. Mm-hmm. People are critiquing them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you've always got a keyboard warrior that's a dickhead. Yep. Oh, yeah, shit yep. show, you know, and, you, you know, like I said to... Um, Matt the other day, oh, what's their show called? Yeah, that's right. I mean, to come and do what you do, mm. it's it's so impressive. <laughs> and I think people underestimate how tough it actually is. Yeah. Do you do you sit there and look at a comment and go, fuck you, you dickhead? Or, <laughs> or, or, or do you, or do you, like, you know, it's, it's a fine line. I mean, I almost post and ghost because once I post something. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> once I, I post it, mm. I'm like, you know, that's what happened. I don't really care because you're always going to find people that yeah. don't like what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Do you, do you find that you're wary of that or? Oh, completely, completely. I mean, yeah, even just this weekend there's been a whole bunch of reviews and, you know, you have to, I think, artists often are perfectionists. I'm definitely a perfectionist and find it very hard to have self-compassion despite you know, the work that I do in other fields and things. And I think, you know, even, what is it, Tuesday, you know, like yesterday I was absolutely exhausted. You, I haven't, I'd been getting five hours sleep for about a month, you know, working on this show all over Christmas, New Year's, building up to sold out shows, really positive responses. But if you get one not so positive um, comment, yeah. you know, like I think they say human psychology, it takes something like 10, well, I don't know the numbers, but 10 positive remarks to outweigh a negative. Okay. And when you're tired and exhausted and you've just exposed your entire heart you know, it's a vulnerable space to be in and I think sometimes I forget I'm not so great at the the self-care. I'm very good at getting things done and new projects and, and more, more, more. I find the self-care much more uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, it is challenging. Um, do you have any ways of dealing with that from the work that you do? Yeah, well, whether I implement have... them. <laughs> <laughs> Practice yeah, do what, what I do. Yeah. What I say, yeah. Not as I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I do that all the time, don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Do you, is there any things that you consciously do when you do you find time do you I don't know do you meditate or mm-hmm. when you things when you feel things are a little bit out of control like my time is when I come home I do 5 minutes of breathing before yeah, I actually nice. go into the house. Nice. Yeah. And I don't know I'm I I don't know what it is, but as soon as I'm in that house, I'm dad. Mm-hmm. And my wife probably gets disappointed every now and then. But, it, you know, someone's there looking after the mm-hmm. kids. And and then I can actually switch work to- totally off mm-hmm. because I know that I'm only there for a, f- a few hours or if that, yeah. and they're in bed until you yeah. don't see them in the morning. Yeah. So it's a lot easier for me to handle. But that's something I do. Do, yeah. you, do you do something like, yeah. you know, before I talk, I, I breathe in, yeah. like, I try to calm before I get shit scared, before yeah. I go on stage? Yeah, do totally, do for sure, for sure. Or are you throwing up out the back? I <laughs> like the full anxiety, like, oh, my God, and then you get out and it's showtime. I used <laughs> to be very nervous and actually this show has been, you know, 
know, again, I think what I was going to say about the critics and all of that sort of stuff, I think over the weekend I was thinking about what my personal measures of success are for this show because I think it's easy to just let feedback come in and you forget why you're doing it. And so, you know, I've struggled with really bad anxiety, which again is why I sought some of these other practices because I was getting panic attacks and all sorts of really strong anxiety. And for me to have come out and done a completely new show, first time I'm talking on stage, improvising on stage and actually love it, and and feel myself come alive, not yeah. retreat into yeah. nerves is is a huge win for me. So I'm focusing on that. Um, I think in terms of other practices, I'd love to say I meditate. I really struggle with meditation. Yeah. I'm such a mover. So you get monkey brains. Yeah, like doing so yoga. It's like, uh, it's like uh. yoga. I love tai chi. I love because it's just enough movement to distract my brain. Um, <laughs> I guess one of the main things of the tantra work is just allowing your feelings. So like we're in such again a culture where if anyone's upset, we want to fix them, pacify. It's almost the dummy in the mouth. But as a human, you know, how can you just we find it really uncomfortable when people are having strong emotions in front of us. Um, and so like even just yesterday I was feeling mm-hmm. really, really flat and that's an adrenaline come down. It's no sleep. It's having just been working so hard and then various other things. And you Doing usually- podcasts yeah. <laughs> uh, when I'm meant to be sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. Um, And, you know, I think maybe a few years ago yesterday I would have been berating myself and said, you know, you shouldn't be feeling like this. It was a great weekend. Why are you feeling so flat? Come on, pick yourself up. But actually I just was like, you know what, I I feel shit today and that's okay and I know it's not going to last forever. And so I guess they talk about that watching the monkey mind. And so I I guess if I'm feeling anything, it's whether it's anger or grief, it's I have practices to actually express that. And I think people really gloss over the fact of like, you know, you should be good every day. Mm. Well, fuck, that's not life. And if you don't have bad days, you actually don't realise when the good days are there. Exactly. Because you can't, I've noticed with a lot of the actors that we've spoken to Mm -hmm. and performers that they're all quite, you know, intimate or insular people. Introverted, um, totally. Introverted. And we spoke to Matt Tarrant yesterday, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, chubby kid at school, no confidence. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he doesn't mind me. Everyone's going to hear it anyway. (laughs) Oh, not everyone. But but he he then went, you know, I'm getting into magic Mm -hmm. and it was something I was really good at. And he thought he could pick up chicks. Yeah. So it bought when he everywhere he went, he had a, a deck of cards. Yeah. And and I noticed that we did we had a chat with Vin as well. He had deck like all these magicians bring away mm, bring cards, mm. and that's their way of getting in. And once they're on stage, they're on stage of like 50, 100, 200 people. Yeah. And it's just it disappears. Totally. And, it it's is exactly interesting. What you totally. Said, it just goes. And it's funny because I think people assume I must be a very confident person and to a degree I am, you know, I've really worked on that and I was I had I didn't talk as a kid and start like all these different, you know, I'd be so anxious and um and now if you watch me on the stage, like I'm revealing the most intimate parts of myself, which sometimes I feel sorry for my parents, but um, they're okay. Um, <laughs> Mum just likes watching me with the baby doll in the show. She's come to every show on the weekend and every time I come out with this baby doll holding it, her face is just like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, don't get excited. This show is, I haven't decided yet. This show is just exploring it. But um, what I have realised, and again, it's not something I'm great at implementing, is that um, that's a version of extra of extroversion and and confidence, but I need a lot of time to then regenerate it. Yeah, to, to get yeah. ready for. Yeah. Um, so we're here to twenty twenty one Fringe, the biggest show in the world right mm, now. It's it's incredible. And originally, probably was the biggest Fringe at the mm-hmm. end of like we just finished in mm-hmm. time. You're you're coming here. You're how many? Days, so the Fringe goes for a month. Yeah, just days, over. Yeah, yep. How many days are you performing? I've well, got fifteen shows, so, so I'm half and half, half on, half off. So you do predominantly the weekends and try to have some break. I'm trying to figure out the yeah, break time that you yeah, get to yourself. Yeah, so I yeah, so I finished a show on Sunday and then I don't perform again until the following Tuesday. So okay. um, I've got about nine days off, then six days on, nine days off, six days on. And within that nine days, you know, I'm working with my producer and my team and, you know, meeting people and going to see as many shows as I can to support the industry and, you know. So you're a big, you like going to watch as many Yeah, I mean, particularly this year, it's like I was walking around the garden on Saturday night, I think, or I was at Gluttony and and saw this beautiful show with electric fields and... um, Yeah, I'm going to that on Friday night. Yeah, nice. Um, And... 
I, I, I think it was partly the exhaustion. <laughs> I always feel like I'm like on something after a show. Um, but like I just felt so much like love in my heart and so much gratitude that we could be there because, you know, the rest of the world is in lockdown and part of me feels like, oh, you know, feel bad. But I also think they're watching and going, you know, this is so incredible. And, you know, again, it's why I love the arts. It brings people together for these moments of just like connected experience, watching beautiful music, not with words. And so I was like a bit of a mess, but very grateful that it's all happening. That um, It's great to see that you can feel that when mm. you're actually there. Mm. And then you would have had a show the next night as mm. well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if people are listening and it's going to be, you know, around Fringe in 2021, you can watch you live. Yep. Yep. From Black Box Theatre. Mm-hmm. That's, have you had, you know, other than someone filming with a camera, have you had live like live performances uh, um, put out through the, you know, the internet? No, I haven't. So- and it's actually kind of cool. I think, you know, we look at silver linings of this awful situation. Like um, I've got friends overseas who never would have been able to watch me perform. And- so you've hit them all up? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to. But- <laughs> it's my job for this week. You should be hammering them all <laughs> yeah. to make sure they're, they're paying that 15, yeah. $15 yeah. to watch a show. It's slightly yeah. cheaper than being here. Yeah. But it, you can comfort in your own house and you can have exactly. people around. You can also say if you don't like it really loudly because no one can hear you, which <laughs> yeah, they don't hear this the is heckling. shit. <laughs> what am I doing watching this? I'm going to mute it and go watch Netflix. Yeah. Well, I guess anyone can have those reactions. <laughs> um, Hopefully, they love it. Are you um, the gala movement? You're yes, the Gaia movement. The Gaia yes, movement. Gaia. Sorry, that's all right. My dad still can't say it after yeah. seven years. So oh yeah, that's, that's okay. an I. Yeah, no, yeah. That, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, an I. So yeah. what's what's that what's all that? about? that? So that came about, I made a environmental <laughs> dance film in 2014. It is all connected again for me, nature, movement, the body. Um, tree pose for the tree planet. Tree pose for I the planet. The you are the best researched person <laughs> I've ever spoken to. Um, so, yeah, this came about. I made an environmental dance film a few years ago. It did really well, went around, and I've always wanted to have schools programs and community programs around getting people moving in nature a little bit about the forest bathing that I was mentioning or the green time getting people moving so last year with the nature festival launched this social media campaign where anybody who poses in tree pose which is the yoga position where your leg is up bent to your knee I can do it yeah well you've got to give us a pose um and if they use the hashtag tree pose for the planet we would plant a tree on their behalf um, which it's was, still going? Uh, so it's, it's. I saw it at, um, at the, there was a yoga studio. Power Living Studio. Yeah. Yep. So they gave us our first bit of funding through their um, their program, which I'm going to, the Ripple Effect program, where they give $1,500 yeah, grants. Yeah, and they do it once once a week, month. Once, once a, a month. month. Yep. So they were the first ones. Then we got Trees for Life on board and Nature Festivals. So at the moment, we've used up the funds that we got, but we're definitely looking for more sponsors to then kickstart again this year. Um, and I've just launched the schools program as well. So that's getting kids moving in nature, seeing art as a platform for social change and for that kind of thing. So, so cool. Thinking of the kids. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken to Flavia. She's a mm-hmm. rocket scientist. Mm-hmm. She's pretty crazy, yeah. and I go, oh, you know, she goes, yeah, I speak at schools, but only girls' schools. And I said, oh, okay, because the boys don't need any help. <laughs> <laughs> and she's very passionate about, and you know, I agree with her because in life, that's that's what's happened so far, and yep. I think it's up to all of us to be able to make sure it's a it's an even playing field mm-hmm. for whatever skills that you have, and respect the fact that, you know, if a guy had a baby. Yeah, they wouldn't fucking go back to work. Like, yeah. I'm looking at it from a guy's point of view and I think it needs to be, and that's a big in position, is that all right? Yeah. Uh, to take out of a life. And it, that does affect people's careers. Totally. So we need to be able to respect that and be able to understand that if people do have kids or whatever it is, they can come back and, mm. and to be as open as possible. But it also starts from what we're giving all the children of today mm. about trying to give them the even kill because Let's face it, it hasn't been. Mm. And when Flavia talked about it, I was like, you know, she's spot on. She's like, I don't worry about the boys, they're fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but she says if I can get one of those students to be a rocket scientist, mm-hmm. mm. uh, then yeah. she's achieved a goal. You clearly have the same thought yeah. with, uh, I'll get, dare say, females yeah. And, yeah. and children. Yeah. Do you think it's extremely important to be able to nurture this? Oh, completely, completely. I think... Um, it's interesting you say that as well because I think 
yeah, women definitely need to be supported. And in making this show, I kind of really clocked, like, if I want to have a child, I'm definitely going to have to take at least a year out of my yeah, career. Totally. And that has been the passion of my life, if you can't tell by all the projects I've done. <laughs> been very single for a lot of that time. Um, if no. anyone's yeah. listening, um, <laughs> you can also watch it, this shameless plug. Yeah, I, don't I don't know if a show about fertility is the best pickup line, but anyway, um, we'll see. I'll I report back. something's going to happen from it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. We'll see. Um, Your but chakras yeah. might be closed. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just opening the chakras. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Putting it out there. You so. got to. You got to. Um, uh, what was I saying? I've got distracted now with my um, dating life. So um, looking after the firm, children coming through, yeah. um, females coming yep. through in, in any profession and you taking a year off. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, if you haven't got the support of your mum or yeah yeah totally community yeah yeah but if you haven't got the support like that i a year's an understatement yeah totally totally um yeah and that's confronting when you have you know i always thought i'd have a kid and now that i'm almost 33 and going well i love what i do i love my work yes i work in the arts and i've spoken to a lot of female artists around having children which has been incredibly insightful and helpful i've actually got my own podcast oh cool what is <laughs> so it it's called the waiting womb okay we're that- about about to launch Oh, how good are we on research? Well, I ah. hadn't. <laughs> that's actually uh, that's a scoop for you guys because yeah. I haven't announced that. So, oh, you know. <laughs> oh yes, I was going to say, how did we miss it? that? I know. Like, we we listen to everything now. Yeah, yeah, oh, my yeah. God, God, I got to hold something back. So, uh, the sound designer from the show, um, Will Spartalis, and I have been interviewing. Um, uh, parent artists about the experience because, you know, our career trajectories are quite different. Often we're freelance, so we don't have a a, um, full-time job that we're getting paid maternity leave or any of that. So it's a different culture. So that's been really actually very helpful. So we never thought about that. There's Mm. actually, because you're freelance, there's no maternity leave. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Of course. And I I actually hadn't, that's, that's a big thing. Yeah, totally. And yet on the flip side, the arts community has always been incredibly supportive. We're very used to not knowing when next paychecks are coming in. So I think there's a resourcefulness and a resilience within the, those communities. So that's been kind of interesting. But um, I guess going back to your original point around supporting the next generation, for me, that seems incredibly important. And, you know, I think every when you think about having a child, I'm sure all parents have got some kind of social, you know, whether it's wars or nuclear bombing or now climate change, there's always these big things hovering over the future of the planet. But I do feel like it's a bit different now in that there is research coming out that, you know, my generation is now choosing not to have children specifically for the reason of climate change and making the right, the right choice in inverted commas, whether it is or not, to not keep using the earth's resources by creating more humans, yeah, I, <laughs> which I don't know if it's changed quite that significantly in terms of patterns of reproduction. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I hope we reproduce a lot. It's got yep. a few supermarkets out there. We need to um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just flagging that. Yeah, we need people to keep buying. Um, <laughs> no comment. I, I understand. Well, it's all happening later, huh? Yeah. Like, let's yep. face it. And yep. I, I don't think, I think Natalie was 36 or 35 mm. or something like that before mm. we, we had mm. children. Mm. Had so many dramas in having children. Had yep. like eight rounds of IVF wow. and it was just wow. a shit show. Yeah. And in the end, she was fucked. She goes, I'm done. It's and so intense. Yeah. And then, then got pregnant, so who would have wow. thought? But uh, wow. it shows how much the game upstairs changes. Mm-hmm. But I think you need someone first. Yeah, just, <laughs> I've yeah. heard. You, know, you, know, you could go somewhere, I guess, and get it done. There is a, sh- a, a number in the show to It's Raining Men where I, <laughs> I won't say anything more, but I may wear a shower cap and a poncho that, yeah, yeah you can. That's pretty yeah. good. I like that. Um, <laughs> that is so good. So it's fair to say your show started off with a Bang. <laughs> you can, yeah, let's go with that. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, so, Very good. So it yeah, has been puns. awesome. Yeah, yeah. And 
<clears throat> I think that must be reassuring yeah. um, for you to put the whole thing together. Yeah, and, yeah, it's it's selling really well, so I think... Um, Hurry up and buy tickets. Yeah, buy tickets because yeah, they're going quickly, especially this fringe. It's so, as an artist, when you see even just one or two tickets coming in, um, it's like, oh, it's so exciting. So definitely... Oh, that's um, so good. Do you yeah. get to see the online sales at all? You do, yeah, you oh, do. So, that's so I know everyone who's coming to the show and I know who hasn't booked yet as well, so just saying... <laughs> Just just putting it out. The Adelaide's a small place, okay, yeah. <laughs> but with big talent. Yeah. So what's have you actually thought about what's next? I radically am considering taking a bit of time off. Okay. Which Whoa. I don't think I've done actually in about eight years. So um, where, where COVID kind of meant that everyone slowed down, I went the opposite and started like 700 new things. So um, Clearly. I, I am... Well, no, but that, that said, I have a lot coming up too. <laughs> but I'm going to try and slow down a little bit. I've got a Tantra workshop happening in April with a collaborator, Tyron um, Mowbray, who looks, works a lot in men's sexuality. So he's coming over from Byron in April. And then I've got a project with... So is there room for that still? Definitely. Yeah. Have any, I will be sharing that on my um, social yeah. media. We'll, so. put it, we'll put it on here too because yeah. it's one of the big things you put, you're, yeah. you're pushing at the moment. Yeah, so definitely. No, that would be great. And, and Tyron's great. He... Um, yeah, works a lot with men and I think we're going to have a bit of fun and just a real intro level. So if people have never done any of this work before, um, I know it can be a slightly scary thing to turn up to a tantra workshop and not know what's going to be asked of you, but I'm very passionate about like very accessible um, and, uh, yeah, friendly kind of introduction to the work. So, yeah. Uh, that's the sort of thing that, that I could do. Definitely. Like, come along. Grassroots. Yeah. I know my wife would be right into it. Yeah, you guys should come along. Uh, give it a review. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a review. Okay. That yeah. sounds like a challenge. Yeah. Can yeah. someone write those dates down for me, please? <laughs> We'd love if, to have you. I, I don't That'd know if great. I'll let me um, video it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's important because mm. uh, too often in life, like you get to the end of the night and you don't have this problem. <laughs> And you, you sit there with your partner and you're like, fuck, like oh, you just, you're, you're exhausted. Totally. And if you've got kids, yeah. and I, it's it's much more, I think normalising these conversations is a big thing that I'm really passionate about with this work. And, you know, I think any relationship, once you're together, it doesn't mean job done. Okay, this is going to be, you know, <laughs> no, it's consistent fine. Work. It's, it's consistent. And so, um, you know, uh, the work that we teach is really some really simple basic things, you know, to just help cultivate intimacy, cultivate good communication, cultivate, you know, because why not? I mean, we're yeah. on this earth once, so well, you may as well have a good... Well, you've made the decision, so you need to work on it. So I say yeah. to my wife, don't get any ideas, you're not going anywhere. We just yeah. need to, you know, we need to understand we're both different yeah. and we work yeah. with each other. which is incredible, yeah. So I, I guess I... we. I'm trying. I'll wrap it up. Yeah. Because like we push. We don't want to. You know, want me to be nice. Yeah, I got to go back to bed and go back to bed. <laughs> oh, we know I've woken you up. We should have gone back. We should have no, gone actually, to your house. We should have just rocked up. And I've actually got to go and pay heaps of people. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you weren't doing what you're doing now, mm. what would you be doing? That's a very good question. I feel like I'm doing about 800 things. It doesn't leave much else. What would I be doing now? Yeah, like if it was anything. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, again, I speak about this in the show, um, I I really wanted to move to the UK, Scotland in particular. So um, as much as I'm loving the fact that so many amazing people have returned to Adelaide because of COVID, so it's actually an incredible place to be at the moment, um, I would love to still be able to head to the UK at some point. What's there? It's been a bit of an ancestral, uh, some of the work that I do, um, I think being, I was there last year for the Edinburgh Fringe, I was going to be going back to the Edinburgh Fringe and I just fell in love with Edinburgh and um, as I said, you'll hear more about my fantasies of Scotland in the show but... uh, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, can yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah, 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 you can. Uh, so, no, travel. Um, I love what I do, honestly. Yeah. Um, I am where I want to be. So, yeah, That's I love awesome. what I do. Um, what do you wish? So, if you could go back yep. in time yep. and speak to a budding Erin, mm-hmm. might not be you, but mm-hmm. like someone, whether yeah. they're 16 or something yeah. at that age, what worldly advice could you give them that you know now that you definitely didn't know when you were 16? Yeah. 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 I think 
the the trying that you're always doing when you're that age, trying to be something, trying to fit in, trying to it's exhausting and nobody really knows what they're doing. So yeah. I would say, back yourself and and the energy that you're putting into trying, put it into just keeping on cultivating the best version of yourself. Awesome. If there's one thing that you could do mm-hmm. that would have an effect on the whole world. It's a big question. Mm. What would that one thing be? It could be something selfish or it could be something um, universal. I think if everyone had a daily practice of 10 minutes in nature, connecting to their own selves, moving their body, feet on the earth, then it would be a much calmer, more compassionate, more connected place. So, well, I love that answer. Yep. I mean, just look at the road rage. Yeah. That's crazy. They're yep. clearly not anything. Yep. <laughs> so, and the last question, this mm. is the hard-hitting mm. question mm. that we have. Mm. If you died mm. and came back as a board game, <laughs> what board game do you think Far would out. best describe your life? And so I'll, I'll just, I'm not trying to sway you, but while yeah, you're thinking. Yeah, great. No, I'll take be, some that hints. Be, yeah. That could be challenging. We've had snakes and ladders. Yeah. Uh, we've had Yahtzee. Yeah. We've had chess. We've had Scrabble. Oh, yeah. Mousetrap. Yeah. Um, Matt had, um, he had Mousetrap yesterday. I was going, you know, that game and the thing goes <laughs> up when the ball hits there. That's, oh, that's my life. And yeah. Okay, he was the first for Mousetrap. There you go. Um, we've had, you know, you might not play any games, so this might be difficult. It's all right. But there's always, there's something that you go, yeah, that's kind of best I did, me. I did. So um, Christmas for my family this year was just four of us. We're usually pretty small. It's just the four of us. So I thought I'd get us a game just in case we ran out of things to talk about. <laughs> and I um, have friends that play lots of board games. I'm not so much of a board game player, but they suggested Ticket to Ride. I don't know if anyone knows that game. Wow. Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. I love it. It's yep. a new one. A new this one. So Getting exciting. some nods. So this is one where you kind of are building these pathways between cities. And I feel like if that if I was a board game, I have many cities, many things, and I'm trying to connect them all and probably ambitiously trying to go too far but um uh yeah that that's my answer that is also a good Beatles song so yeah yeah, I love it it's got it's got great ratings too oh it's a real hit in the games world I've heard and (laughs) you know what I think you can play it you can actually play it online can you as well wow so ticket to ride the first time I've heard that there you go um well there you have it um, thank you very much, Erin, for coming on board. It's amazing to see the talent we have here in South Australia. I hope you don't go, but you know where home will always be right <laughs> here in, in Adelaide. Um, for anyone that's listening now, 2021, uh, you need to get and watch your show at Fringe. Yes. And if you can't watch it in the Adelaide Fringe, you can definitely go online, Black Box Theatre, yep. and do your best to support local artists. So you need support more than anyone else, and we need to make sure that we're doing a bit in Adelaide and South Australia to make sure we are supporting our amazing local talent that we have here. You've done so much in such a short mm-hmm. period of time. You're only 32. Only 32, so, almost 33. Uh, so almost 33. I'm just flagging out yeah. for any guys out there. You know, Erin <laughs> is single and you should be making the most of it and coming to see your show <laughs> exactly. at a minimum. Yeah, base level. No, well, and thank you for creating a platform to talk about it as well. No thank problems. You. Thank you. Cheers.